Welcome back to Labor for Truth. I wanted to do an episode kind of breaking down um, basically my theology of missions. Um, really, out of all the things in my life, if I really want to get down to the heart of it, um, the most important thing to me is really this subject. Like everything else is interesting and valuable, but in the like grand grand scheme of things um if this one thing isn't really put into priority based on my theology then we're basically going to be stuck on earth forever so uh in a previous episode i addressed how i thought that pretty millennialism was not biblical because of the few texts um that basically said that when Christ comes, he's going to bring the end, talks about bringing the judgment or fire, destruction, stuff like that, but I didn't really give a positive explanation of my theology, so eschatology and missiology kind of, you know, theology and missions kind of go hand in hand for me. Um, Whenever... So yeah, I used to be a premillennialist in college. And then I started studying a lot more, and I was kind of trying to iron out my theology when it comes to covenantal or dispensational, premillennial, amillennial, postmillennial, and I had to study it in school. And I ended up coming to believe in basically not postmillennialism, but essentially their interpretation of the book of Revelation, which is called preterism, or technically it's called partial preterism. So a lot of the different judgment texts, or most of them essentially, uh, happened in AD 70, um, whenever God essentially divorced with Israel, whenever he sent the last judgment of the Romans to destroy the temple and to destroy Jerusalem. That was essentially, you know, God promises or threatens uh, in the book of Jeremiah to divorce Israel, but then he kind of goes back on it. Um, you know, he kind of sends her away for a bit and obviously brings her back and restores her. But there's a text where it talks about offering divorce. And so God finally kind of makes good on that promise. And he divorces Israel based on this theology. And um, with that, then you have basically us being the millennium right now. So the Amil and the post-mill both believe this. And I don't really neatly fit in either category, but um, this applies to my eschatology because for me, my missiology or my theology of missions directly correlates with how to bring upon the eschaton or the end, right, the last days. So for me, and I don't know if I get super into the text right now, I just want to kind of have a more of a surface level conversation in order to kind of bring up the subject, because I think even just bringing it up is just interesting, because um, a lot of people have never kind of heard of this before, this particular view of missions, and so I wanted to have this as like an intro to it, and later on I'll go fully into the text and um, go into the full argument, but I wanted to kind of bring up misconceptions about missions. So... And the typical post-millennial view is that we're going to get, you know, dominion over time. Uh, They basically believe that 
God is going to start taking, you know, maybe whether it be centuries or millennia of time, God's going to start saving the majority of earth. He's going to slowly but surely take dominion, right? So he's going to, you know, take over and the majority of the glory of God's going to cover the earth, as they would say. Um, and they would bring up like First Corinthians 15, where it says, um, you know, sit in my right hand, sit in my right hand while I make an enemy, your enemies a footstool for your feet. So they would take that and some other text and basically say they think that Christ is going to take over the whole world, essentially, and bring about this kind of earthly millennia in a more gradual way versus the premillennialists think that when Christ returns, he's going to do, you know, a number of different options with the rapture, tribulation, come back and bring about an earthly kingdom where he's going to reign on the earth. Like, we'll literally, Jews will literally live on the earth with us again. Um, whereas now it's more like the all male and the post male would both think that it's a millennia now and it's a, primarily a spiritual one. So this applies to me because I, while I do, while I do think that the Book of Revelation for the most part was fulfilled in eighty seventy, I think that the like how to fulfill the millennia is tied directly in with the Great Commission. Um, so before I go any further, I wanted to take a break and thinking about these kind of more abstractive big picture conversations. And I wanted to get into particular questions that I'm going to unpack. Um, I was talking to one of my buddies this week. Well, I was talking to Adam. Uh, you should know Adam. I had him on not too long ago. And, um, he was saying that we were talking about missions basically. And what is the goal of missions, right? And, you know, he made it seem like as long as you just leave your country and you just go to another country and you talk to another person outside of your country about Jesus, like no matter where they live, no matter, you know, what, how common their language is, no matter what it is, it's missions. So the example he brought up is his, you know, wife is Thai. So it's okay well my, my wife is Thai. I can go to Thailand with my wife, and we can talk to people about Jesus, right? And, you know, that's missions. And it's like, I mean, generally speaking, yes, we would call that missions. But that isn't, I mean, obviously I'm for people hearing about Christ anywhere, but that's not really what I'm getting at. The point is, is that when Jesus left and he gave us the great commission he said go into all the nations and baptize them uh yeah baptize them and make disciples of them in the name of the father son and the holy spirit that's like matthew 28 you know basically he just says go to the ends of the earth go you know all around and just spread the gospel you know make disciples and baptize them you know into the gospel um and but the question is, is is him going to like, let's say like Chiang Mai, which is like one of the biggest cities and sharing the gospel there, is that the true goal of the Great Commission? And at one point it might have been if there was no believers in Chiang Mai, maybe like decades or centuries ago. Yeah, for sure. That's fine. Like that definitely could have been the goal. But um as of now, there's plenty of believers in Chiang Mai. So the goal now is to go to the ends of the earth. 
Um, and to put it into perspective, whenever I was in Bible college, I used to want to be a missionary, and I, like, studied a lot. I looked at doing it with the International Mission Board, which is, like, the kind of the – it's, like, the missionary arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. Or um, I especially looked at, like, Wycliffe Bible translators who go in and translate the Bible into, like, a New Testament, like, tribal language. Um, and yeah, I just studied like missions more in depth and thought through kind of what is the goal and, uh, men like William Carey, um, who's known as the father of modern missions kind of brought in more kind of going to the ends of the earth kind of mindset. And so, um, Wycliffe, the IMB and, uh, the Joshua project, which is like another missionary organization, basically a few decades ago started thinking, you know what, um, you know, we have not been really focusing on these tribal groups. We've just been focusing on more major cities or kind of the, you know, cities around the major cities in these different countries. And there's already churches there, um, you know, but we need to be, basically they said in their mind, essentially they said they're more like Paul, right? Paul was like, he would go to a city, Ephesus, whatever, Corinth, he would, you know, share the gospel for a season, you know, uh, plant seeds, the Lord, obviously the Lord would water them. Um, you know, he would start a church there and then he would keep moving. You know, he'd set up elders, basically get it self-sustained and he would keep moving and he would, you know, go to do the same thing in another, uh, another city. And, you know, he kept going farther and farther out. And as far as he could tell, as, you know, to him, he reached the world in the sense of, you know, all of the Roman Empire, um, all of the Greek speaking area, you know, so it was the area that he'd be able to reach in his lifetime because you know, he didn't necessarily have the time. By the end of it, he was already about to die. So, you know, he was able to reach out to the Greek world, which obviously was huge, to the Greek-speaking world, which is the Roman Empire. But um, in missions, they have these terms called unreached and unengaged. And these terms are really important. And I think that every, you know, Christian should understand them because If if the goal of missions is just to, like, go to whoever, you know, just as long as you go to, like, China or as long as you go to Brazil or whatever, Argentina, it doesn't matter. Go to these other countries and just plop somewhere and just start talking to people around you and it doesn't matter where it is, then, yeah, missions is super arbitrary. Like, it's just, like, whatever, as long as you, like, cross the border, you go to Mexico, you go somewhere else and you're doing missions, right? And it's like at a basic level, yes, like it's good to go to other countries and share the gospel. I'm not saying that, but is what is the main goal? And the main question, this is what I was bringing up by Wildbar Eschatology, because based on certain texts, and like I said, I'm not fully into them, the main one being, to me being, um, the two main two being preach the gospel unto all the nations and then the end will come. And then Revelation 5, the heavenly scene, where John sees the heavenly scene. He says, there stood before me every people from every tribe, tongue, and nation stood before me. And so this is what I was challenging Adam with. So I was like, all right, man. Because I remember in Bible college, I was talking to a prof, and we were kind of fighting about it in class. And I was like, I think he said, do you think that Christ can come back right now? And I raised my hand. I said, no, he can't come back. We need to reach the ends of the earth. And so that's kind of what I'm getting at more practically, like this being a practical conversation is if you take my view of it and if you take my view of the Great Commission, that it has to be fulfilled. And there's actually like a like you actually have to keep going. And right now it's not fulfilled. 
right? If we have, if, if people from every tribe, tongue, and nation stand before the heavenly scene, um, and you know that, then that means that there's people that have to be in those tribes, every tribe, tongue, and nation, that have at least one believer. And uh, if you want to kind of see what I how I think about it in more of a dramatized way, I have my last tribe series. Um, the Her Dying Wish is the first one. It's free. Um, it's called Permafree on Amazon. And then it goes into basically multiple parts where they're trying to reach this last tribe and some God haters are trying to for, uh, fortify it and keep them from, uh, from reaching it. But um, yeah, uh, the goal is to, you know, be able to reach that tribe because as far as they can tell, they've reached every other tribe in the world, which obviously uh, you have to kind of pick something. Obviously you would, you would just, you know, it assumes that they actually have. It's somewhat arbitrary. Some of the different groups disagree. But nonetheless, it's like going back to the terms unreached. That means, you know, that's a little bit better because at least they're un they're not unengaged, right? They're trying. So basically they're engaged, but they're unreached, meaning there's people, missionaries, you know, going in or at least planning to go in that are actually making grounds on actually going there. They have plans to actually be there or already there, right? So they're being engaged, but there's no professing believers because maybe they're still in the midst of learning the language or they're still in the midst of teaching them or whatever it might be. They just haven't had any believers. That's why they're unreached. But then you have unengaged, which is even worse. So un un unengaged is, as far as they know, there's these tribes in the world that are like, you know, in the middle of nowhere, and they've never, ever heard about Jesus, right? Which kind of goes into the whole conversation. If you never heard about Jesus, you know, how are you going to be conde condemned, right? You got general revelation. But, um, yeah, they've never, ever heard of Jesus. And so there's no way they can be saved. Um, and, every, and every single person that's ever lived in those tribes, based on, you know, orthodox theology, has, has just gone to hell. They've lived their life. They've believed in whatever it might be, ancestor worship, paganism, you know, whatever different things, you know, uh, the elemental gods like sun god, moon god, whatever, and they've never, ever believed. And so, you know, they've all just died in their sins and gone to hell. So, um, but yeah, now there's, you know, thousands of tribes that have been reached. They've not only been engaged, but reached, meaning there's been believers that have come to Christ in those tribes around the world, all around the world. Um, there's churches. And even if you go to Wycliffe in Duncanville, which is like basically like right outside of Dallas, they have a whole wall of like hundreds, maybe even thousands of New Testaments that they've translated into all kinds of tribal languages, to which to me this whole subject just gets me really excited. And this is, I actually get this whole theology from uh, John Piper, um, which is, if you don't know, he's like a really famous modern theologian. Um, he was kind of like my spiritual father when I was a, you know, new believer, followed him a lot. In the last podcast, I brought him up with the whole Christian hedonism thing. Um, but yeah, he has a book called Let the Nations Be Glad. And even though he's a pastor, he's super passionate about missions because he sees the same thing. He thinks that, you know, Christ can't come back. And so, the 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 way to put it that's most despairing or most negative or most like if we don't do this then th then like the worst case scenario is if in theory something hindered the church from focusing on this mission which as far as I know right now we are focusing on at Wycliffe and the IMB 
they are focused on reaching the ends of the earth and continuing to engage new people groups they've never engaged with, assuming that in theory we just, I don't know, somehow we'd stop doing that, then we would never ever have the end. Like we would be, it could be a thousand years, ten thousand, a hundred thousand, a million years from now, in theory, right, conceivably. Um, and we could be a million years from now, and if we if we haven't reached out to every tribe, we've just been focusing on all the major cities, you know, or if, like, Christianity dies off and it's, like, almost, you know, it's just gone down to barely anything. I'm just obviously, I believe God's sovereign, but I'm just saying conceivably, then Christ can't come back because the text, it's one of the Gospels, I can't remember what it is right now, but it says, the Gospel will be preaching to all the nations, then the end will come. So it's a if-then kind of statement. If the gospel is preached to all the nations, then the end will come. So if it's a conditional clause. If you don't have the if or when happen first, then you can't have the then or the afterwards. You can't If you don't have the before, you can't have the afterwards. So this is why essentially everything that I do is towards this goal. Um, my whole life vision is towards this goal. Um and that's, I, I kind of have a deal with God. I don't want to, it's hard to say a deal, but essentially it's like, if God decides to give me money, which I'm content with not having, you know, an abundance of money, I'll be content to, you know, be able to have, a, you know, a normal income, um, you know, have a small audience of people that I'm reaching with my labor for truth, you know, podcasts and books and uh, website and all that. Um and, you know, just love my family and, and serve my church and serve God and, you know, whoever brings around me. But if God does decide to, you know, give me a, a bigger stewardship um, and bring in more money into my lap, then, you know, I'm just going to give most of it to missions. Like, because, you know, that's what, that's the goal. The goal, ultimately, the bigger goal of the church is to not church plant. It's not in America, it's not to, um, you know, try and win the elections or, you know, whatever it is, win the culture, all of this, you know, if we would have taken the, like the conservative Christians would have taken all that money and just focused on missions, we would have already reached a world by now, you know, that's my opinion. So, all the money we gave to the you know Republican Party or whatever else, whatever conservative thing, you know, if we would have gave it towards missions, we would have already brought about the end of the earth. That's really my opinion. That's really my theology. Um, and like I said, we're already on trajectory because God, in His goodness, is gracious, and He's, I mean, I think He's being, you know, He's helping us to not be stupid, and He's opening people's eyes to this being what His goal is, but. Yeah, I think this is I think this is important for Christians because a lot of times we can just get focused on our little family or our little church or or our political party or whatever it might be, our our individual or our very small goals we have in our life. Even if it's your goal is to make a million dollars, in the grand scheme of like all of history, that's nothing. You made some money, okay. Now it's just sitting in a bank account. Maybe you bought some toys. Who freaking cares? Um, because that's the, you know, the, it would be like the fishermen, you know, in Jesus day becoming super wealthy. Who cares? The goal, our goal is to further the kingdom. We're soldiers for Christ. 
um, he gave us a great commission when he left, and that's our goal. Our goal is nothing else. You know, Jesus says you're supposed to love me more than your wife, your, you know, your, your kids, anything else. You know, you're supposed to love him more than anything else. So um, I wanted to bring this up because I think that it is the purpose of the church more than anything else is to reach the ends of the earth you know, to basically fund the Pauls, right? And I, I believe that because if you look at the New Testament, who wrote most of the letters? Paul. And what is Paul doing? He's writing letters to brand new churches, right, that he's reached out to. And he just continues to push and push and push and go to the ends of the earth and keep pushing himself. God and his sovereignty made most of the New Testament be about Paul, the guy who's furthering the Great Commission, right, going to the ends of the earth, continuing to push. And, you know, up until a couple hundred years ago, you know, there was such most of the world was uncharted. So, I mean, we had just America itself had to be, you know, colonized and, you know, filled up. But now almost every major country is relatively colonized and inhabited, at least as much as it can based on the terrain. So now the job is to, like, kind of, you know, go to the ends of the earth, whether it's, you know, Brazilian missions or Korean missions or whatever it might be. It's not just to go to the Middle East and go try and win Muslims to Christ and, in the in the big cities or in like you know in like Afghanistan or something. The goal is to go to the ends of the earth, you know, spend five, ten, fifteen years trying to reach a tribe, learn their language, you know, preach to them, you know, explain the gospel to them, work with them. That's the that's the main battleground of the church. Right there. Nothing else matters than that. Everyone else is going to have a different opinion on that, but that's my theology, and that's what I think the scriptures teach. So, if, you, if you're not careful, you could easily kind of sit back and just wait for God to do whatever he's going to do, whether it's the premillennialists waiting for God to unfold their view of the book of Revelation, or the postmillennialists, you know, just knowing, just thinking that it's going to take centuries or millennia for you know, Christ to come back and it's going to be this long trek. You know, the real ones who have the urgency, in my opinion, are people who have my view. They, you know, know that it's obtainable. We can do it within a generation or two. Wycliffe thinks that we could maybe do it. Um, they had it from like, I think, I don't, I keep, I asked the guy before, but basically they thought about the mid 20, you know, 2050 or so. And they basically thought that wasn't okay. So they figured that they were trying to innovate and figure out ways to, kind of bulk translate like similar languages in the area and work together so you know they're trying to figure out ways to basically get the new testament into all tribal languages as fast as possible and really that started with with, with uh cameron townsend in the uh i'll say the story real quick and then i'll end um and like the early 1900s i believe he was just like a regular young guy he just graduated college and he went to Mexico just to kind of do a little bit of volunteer work um, on a ministry. And he was handing out Spanish Bibles, you know, the Santa Biblia in Mexico. Or, oh, it was Guatemala, sorry. He was in Guatemala, I believe. And he was handing the Spanish Bibles, you know, and he was just like, here you go, you know, learn, read it, learn about God, you know. And then basically he ran into this random tribal guy and he was like hey take this and you know the guy was like no you know you know he kind of blew him off and he's like trying to figure out why and basically he was like you know basically he's like i don't know speak you know or i don't know how to communicate to him but basically he said i don't speak spanish you know 
And something about that, just Scott Cameron Townsend, something happened. And I mean, he wasn't planning on being a missionary. He was literally just going there temporarily, but he was like barely even in his 20s. And so he just stayed there and spent like a decade or so, like just translating the Bible into this random guy's language. He just met that one day. And so basically he started this movement. And now there's like, you know, less than a century later, I mean, they, they I mean, from, I was like, I think one of the like the 30s or 40s. And then they think they'll be done in 2030. So basically, you know, in a hundred years from when he first met that guy till, you know, what they think they're going to be able to accomplish, they're going to go from not writing, having any Bibles in any tribal language to, you know, having the Bible into, you know, all tribal languages as far as I can tell. So that's, that's phenomenal. And, you know, even if in theory, the because a part of it is, it says, um, the gospel preached unto all the nations and then the end will come. Well, in theory, he could, it could just make it to where it's possible for him to come back, but then he tarries and waits, you know, to bring about all the, you know, bringing about, he might have more to save or whatever. But, you know, even that, it's still just really cool to think of, like you said, people from every tribe, tongue, and nation stood before him. So there's going to be all the languages of the whole world, just all having a representative, you know, in, in, the, in the heavenly places in the next life. So even at that, it's just amazing to say, you know, by the end that there was somebody who spoke every single language in the world who believed, and then it kind of has this character or, or like a like a almost like redemptive historical arc, because the third fall, the first fall was the Garden of Eden, and the second fall was Noah's, you know, um, Noah's flood, right? The judgment there, and you have the Tower of Babel, that's the third flood, the third judgment, right? That where God split up all the languages. You know, but before then, everybody spoke one language. And then, you know, now we have, you know, tens of thousands of languages, you know. So that's a redemptive arc from God because you go from, um, you know, us speaking one language. God in judgment makes us speak, you know, tons of languages and those develop into other languages. And then for people from every tribe and nation to believe and, all, and to speak about and to speak and think in other languages, in all these different languages, but to still believe in the same God and the same Holy Spirit and to think, you know, have their different form of being able to understand God through their own language. That's just, that is the coolest thing in the world. So um, I just wanted to bring that up on more of a uh, labor for truth on theology, because I think that there's a misconception of what missions is. Like I said, most people probably think like Adam, oh, I'm just going to go in the big city and, you know, share with them. But, you know, I think it's good to do those experiences and to try and reach out. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with it. But ultimately, the goal is to support the mission of going to the ends of the earth. That's the Great Commission. The Great Commission is to go to the ends of the earth so that Christ can come back. So, like I said, I'm not going to, I'm not having really, I've just done a very brief conversation on it. It's been 30 minutes. I've covered a lot. Um Later on in a later podcast, I'm going to revisit it so I can develop it more in depth and kind of get more into like the actual textual arguments that Piper makes and kind of like rehash his arguments. But I just kind of wanted to make the initial kind of conceptual argument and just share that because I think that that just I think having that vision just really is so empowering and it just like it pulls you out of your own life and it gives you perspective 
on like, okay, no, we have a vision here. Like the Israelites, they had a vision of going to the promised land, right? And so like every the day-to-day of moving and packing and living in the desert and all the crappiness of that, like they knew that they were going to the promised land. So, you know, how do we get there? What's the plan? You know, we, you know, obviously they were held back, but I'm just saying, you know, I don't want to be the wandering people that just wander in the desert. You know, it might not be, I might not be alive or I personally might die before this happens, but I would like to be a part of that mission. And so I, I do still plan on giving, even if I don't become a millionaire, as I, you know, personally, finances are tight right now, but, you know, as the Lord blesses me and gives me surplus, I'll be able to, you know, give and fund a missionary that's actually reaching a particular tribal group, right? To me, you know, supporting all these different things in America, you know, volunteering, you know, most 99% of them to me, that's not the point. The point is put the money towards missions. If we just funneled most of our money towards missions, in particular reaching the ends of the earth, that's the goal. If you have a single track mind, that's what you're going to do. So people ask me for money for all the different things. Well, that's not what, the, what I think the goal is of the church. So, all right. Well, I'll see you on the next one. Um, I'm trying to keep to the pattern of doing a theology one and then doing like a political economic one, you know, taking turns going back and forth. So, all right. Love you guys. See you in the next one.